stories to you. Hello, my name is Rosemary Milsom and I'm the director of the Newcastle Writers' Festival. This session, Love Stories, was recorded at our 2022 festival and features Trent Dalton in conversation with me. I am not Geordie Williamson, who's meant to be hosting. And look, hand on heart, I had nothing to do with him not being here, so I could host this event. <laughs> Honestly, he's at home isolating in Tasmania. The, uh, the kids have COVID, so uh, unfortunately he had to pull out a couple of days ago and, um, well, you know, there have got to be some perks to being the festival director, so... <laughs> I, I jumped on it. My name's Rosemary Milsom. I am the Newcastle Writers Festival Director. Thank you so much for being here. We're meeting today on the land of the Wabakulamwara, my people, and I pay my respect to elders past and present. And I acknowledge them as the original storytellers of Newcastle. I welcome any Aboriginal people who are here with us today. Thank you for coming along. Now, I suppose he doesn't really need an introduction, but uh, Trent Dalton is an award-winning journalist and author of, you know, I don't know, a million books selling, Voice Swallows Universe and All Our Shimmering Skies, his fiction books, and now this big, beautiful book, Love Stories. The book you may not have thought you needed in the, as, as, you know, in the horror of COVID until you found yourself picking it up, reading it, being swept up in these authentic well-told and in many ways small stories and then finding yourself crying and if you didn't cry well you've got a heart of stone <laughs> oh, welcome oh. back to newcastle oh rosemary it's he such told an me honor. don't worry don't stress you know because i've i've had to step in for geordie and i've got a lot of other things to do and i said it's all right it'll be right he goes, just ask me one question and then you'll be right just clock off you can just you'll just clock <laughs> off i'm determined not to do that I'm determined. Are you going to take you on a handhold? Yeah, yeah. You don't, no, no, I'm happy to. That's just me. I'm happy to. I'm happy to. I find I end up sort of getting a stiff neck. I want you to take us back to the beginning. I'm not going to just ask you the one question. I'm going to, I want you to take us back to the beginning. You dedicate the book to Kath Kelly. You, yeah. you do, there, there is an explanation in the beginning of the book about who Kath was, but I, I want you to tell us what she meant to you. Oh, Rosemary, thank you for starting there. And can I just say thank you, Newcastle. Talk about love stories. Um, this is the second greatest city in the world. Um, <laughs> but it's so beautiful. You're beautiful. Um, but you could have been doing anything in this beautiful city today and you chose to come and hear about I'm going to use that in all our promos from okay, now on. Great, great. Trent Dalton, <laughs> second greatest city in Australia. <laughs> in the world, in the world. Um, yeah, so um, I've got this... You know, you know, you 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 would all have them. You know those friends uh, who, when something really bad happens uh, or something great happens, they'll just shoot you a text at like 10:30 at night, and you go into bed and you get a text from your friend, and it's just like, hey, you did well on that, or hey, thinking about your old man and how he died on this day five years ago. I've got this mate Greg Kelly up in Brisbane, and he's he's one of those friends, and. And I know why he's like that, because his mum is twice the, 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 the character that he is and has twice the heart that he has, which is something. And she used to, this woman, Kath Kelly was her name, um, she used to send me, back in my journo days, like really early journo days too, she used to, one of those people who would send me emails and just go, hey Trent, um, you nailed that one, or, or um, Trent, um, go further, go deeper, I feel like you've got something deeper in you. 
and and just one of those people who just gave me such confidence and when I made the kind of leap into book writing, Kath Kelly was right there just sort of going, hey, knew, knew you had that in you. Um, uh, Kath got really ill um, around Christmas 2020, got rushed to the Royal Brisbane Hospital. Um, and uh, she died at the age of 89 on Christmas Day 2020. And, uh, and on her deathbed, uh, she, she was reading the last book she read was All Our Shimmering Skies, my second book, um, on her, on, on sort of her, at, at, up at the hospital. Um, she gave a couple of, uh, a couple of requests to her son, Greg, and, uh, and one of them was at, at, um, at her funeral, everyone is to go outside after the service into the car park and drink the 30 or so Forex gold cans that were in her refrigerator before she got rushed to the hospital. <laughs> and we go along to this funeral. Um, my wife, Fiona, my, my eldest daughter, Beth, who's best friends with Greg's daughter, Millie. Um, so there's me, Beth, Fiona, and I look around, Rosemary, and, and it was, you just could not, it was the Albany Creek Memorial Park in Brisbane, um, just one of those beautiful little sort of chapel type places. And I looked around, and you just could not get a seat. It was like latecomers could not get a seat at this funeral. And they played the flipping, you know, the photo montage. Yeah. You know that you know those things, guys. You know, yeah, you, and you can't, you cry. Oh, they're yeah. so powerful. Like the, yeah. the modern funeral photo montage, which is sort of a a, a a recent phenomenon of the last 15 years yeah. or so, and they moved me so deeply. And, and we saw Kath's whole life from like you know black and white seven-year-old to 89-year-old grandmother. And you just got the scope of a life. And then I'm thinking, man, that's the secret. That's the secret. Be so selfless and give so much love. Like us writers, like I can get caught up in, oh, man, I get to come to Newcastle and I, and I better say something really interesting or I hope my book does well and all that. It's like it's not about any of that. It's about being kind to like 10 people in your life and, and loving 20 people or just loving one if you've only got one or if you've got a dog. It's like life is just that and Kath knew that and she, except she did that for 200 people and, uh, and I just remember thinking like that's success, right? That's, I know it's that cheesy thing but it's like I looked around I was like wow, yeah, just live a life so selfless that latecomers can't find a seat at your funeral and then at the end, uh, Kel... Greg Kelly, my mate, he gets up and he starts saying this speech about how much Kath loved writing and how much she liked typing letters to like school principals or, or popes or um, editors of, of, of like newspapers fighting for women's rights and human rights and fairness. You know, she was huge on fairness, but her best friend, her best friend was this 1960s sky blue Olivetti typewriter that she basically, she, she would do all this stuff around the neighbourhood and then go, it's like, ah, oh, yes, now's my time with my friend, you know, tippity-tap, tap, tap, tap. Anyway, so we're, we're, you know, and he starts saying all these letters. He read from these letters that she wrote and you know, they were deeply powerful. And I turned to my daughter, Beth, and I'm like, I hope you're listening, you know, like, that's what, that's what life is all about. And it was really, and Beth, it was a vivid memory. It's like, Beth's got this, she just turned and she's like, yeah, dad, I, I, you know, she, she knows me and knows when I'm trying to be all sentimental and serious and stuff. She's like, I got it, I got it. And, uh, but coolest thing. So then 
thing finishes, we go outside, we're standing near Kel Subaru, and we're drinking these 30 cans of Forex Gold. And I'm saying this stuff like, man, I really think she was kind of responsible for me writing that book, Boy Swallows Universe. And she really believed in some of the stuff that I was doing. And, and I just want you to know she meant the world to me, Kel. And um, he goes, oh, yeah, yeah, mate, but um, wait till you see this. And uh, he opens the back door of the Subaru, and he leans in, and he pulls out this sky blue Olivetti typewriter, and he says, um, she wanted you to have it. It's yours. I know I'm getting chills just thinking about it, Rosemary. And I just thought it was the most beautiful gesture. And, you know, like I, I, I sort of got a bit teary and a lot of people got teary because it was sort of like I was bequeathed this really special thing. And I, and I just didn't want to take that gift and, and kind of sit it somewhere in my house and just go, oh, thanks, Kath. I wanted to actually do what she did with it and maybe see if I could type some things on it. So we were neck deep in sort of a COVID lockdown up in Brisbane. We'd just have these little sort of three-day lockdowns. And I remember I was in one, I get, you know, this is after a whole big kind of time inside my head. Like, Boy Swallows Universe was so freaking deep for me, that book. Like, it was so deep sort of... Um, just digging down into the minefield of the 1980s for me, which was really sort of some really traumatic stuff in that. And then processing that in public and kind of talking about it, it was really, it was wonderful. It was the, it was the best thing I could have ever done on this planet. I think I was put on this planet to write that book, I have no doubt. But it comes at some cost. And it was so great to get that typewriter and be reminded of what we're here for, which is to just listen and meet strangers and listen some more and then maybe write about it and you know I'm neck deep in this lockdown I call Cal and I go mate would do you think your mum would mind if I did up a sign that said sentimental writer collecting love stories and do you think she'd mind if I sat for two months on the corner of Adelaide and Albert Street at a desk with your mum's typewriter and um, I just asked 200 strangers to tell me their love stories and, and, and something about it, I swear, Rosemary, like there was a magic to that typewriter and there was a magic on that corner. For some reason, um, well, a woman named Helen Clark stopped and first person and she stopped and she goes, I've got a love story. Um, I eloped, she said. And she told the vivid story of how she was raised in Gundagai and she wasn't meant to marry the man that she married. And she told the story of how um, she was married to this guy for 56 years. He's, he's dead now. She thinks about him every day and she goes, you know what I think about, Trent? I think about the two years in our courtship that I spent not kissing him and, uh, because I was addicted to durries. And, um, and she, she grabs my, my hand and she grabs it like this, Rosemary, she grabbed it like that and she goes, if I could get those two years back and I would spend every day kissing that guy. And I was just like, oh man, this, this book might work, you know? And I was like, yeah. I'm just gonna move your mic stand. It's really distracting. Oh, sorry, sorry. No, sorry. It's just, I, I look over and it's like, I don't know. <laughs> I feel like it's gonna hit you in the head or something. It's just <laughs> this room is so beautiful. That's better, that's better. You, you wrote on that sign, you know, sentimental and you got teary just then. I mean, you're a journo, and I've been a journo, not anymore, but you know, we're a cynical bunch. Where does the sentimentality come from? Oh. Okay, I'll tell you a story. I'll tell you where that side of me comes from. This is deep, but I figure, hell, we're here. See, I told right? you I wasn't going to ask you no, just this one is question. I know, it's a great question. It's a great question. I'll tell you where it comes from. Um, well, here's an example. 
um, of, 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 of the soppiness mixed with the darkness and the light mixed with the dark. And that's sort of kind of the places where I try to write from. Uh, let's say it's 1991 and I'm probably 12 and, uh, you know, there's, 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 it's Housing Commission Brackenridge up in Brisbane. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's four boys being raised by their beautiful dad who just happens to have a couple of demons. And there's, you know, there's freaking, there's just chaos in the house. And it's, it's, it's sort of, it's, uh, you, know, you know, there's some drinking going on and shit's going down and there's blood on the walls and, and four Dalton boys are running down the back concrete ramp and we jump, we jump the gate and we're sprinting down McKeering Street towards the phone box because we're probably going to give mum a call and ask her if we can come stay at her place. And I'm the youngest of those four boys and I'm this friggin', for whatever reason, just the waterworks boy. Like, I'm just like, I'm crying. I'm just like crying and crying and crying. And, but we're, we're like, we're a minute down that street and my, my beautiful older brother is, um, is telling me a joke and I stopped crying. And I'm looking up at him and just loving that guy so much for taking the pain away. And uh, that's where the sentimentality comes from. Like, it comes from just being forced to look at the goodness of this world, you know? And, um, and, and the sense of, like, all I have to do every day is sit down and think for 30 seconds on those boys in my life and what they did for me as a boy who, who, couldn't, who couldn't take it as well as they could, you know? And um, I just, I'm, like, I'm back there now and I just get so, I get, like, it's soppy as hell to think like that, but it's beautiful, you know? Like, what better place could I possibly write from? You know, like, I actively think of those things sometimes before I write. And I used to do it in journalism. Like, I used to, I used to go and sit, I swear, Rosemary, like, I would, I would sit in a living room with someone for, like, four hours and I would just, I would just listen and listen and listen, and then I would drive home, and I'd be like, I'd be thinking about the things that they told me, and I'd be reflecting on how that taught me something about my own stuff, and then I'd be writing the story, and I'd be thinking about them and thinking about my world, and just like freaking crying over the bloody feature article you're writing, and it's like, well, man, if you're crying, then maybe you're going to be giving something onto that page, you know what I mean? Like, it's just a, just, and just let rip, you know? Like, I, I, I call it sentimentality because I'm, I want people to know, like, I'm aware, you know? I'm aware that the, the title, Love Stories, I'm aware, I'm aware that, you know, and it's like, it's, it's like, I always urge people, it's like, please dig in, because whilst that cover looks so bright and lovey-dovey and kind of Love Actually-esque, but... It's anything but, you know, like I'm actually dealing with some really heavy stuff and, and the minute you start talking about love and I'm, the minute anyone here would delve into love, it's like, that shit's hard, you know, and, but that stuff is beautiful as well and, and if you do walk through the minefield of the darkness, then you, I think you deserve to be a bit sentimental. God, now I'm going to cry. <laughs> No, it's, it was a great question. I'm sorry I went, but that, that no, like, no. it taps to the fundamental place where I write from. Yeah. But it, stri it strikes me when I've read love stories that 
and I think of you, and I think, and even how you approach journalism, and and particularly, and listening to these people's stories, this period of time, two months, COVID's been an absolute mess with all of us. Love is about paying attention. Oh, yeah. I mean that that is it, isn't it? Oh, oh man. I mean, that's what I learnt for those two months. Like, love is about absolutely paying attention. I'll tell you in so many ways that is the case the 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 greatest people okay okay i have this thing about 75 year old australian mums like about at the age of 75 like or between 60 and 80 right they no honestly here's the thing like they, they've worked their asses off right and they probably raised a bunch of kids now they've probably got some grandkids maybe and they've seen that all that hard work and all that kind of really difficult times, let's say through the 80s and 90s and, and all of that, right, it was kind of leading up to now. And you, you walk into an Australian mum aged between 60 and 80s house on Christmas Day and everyone's there. And, and maybe you're under some pergola or you're on some hot baking hot courtyard, but all the brothers and sisters are back and all of their kids are around. And, and you watch that 75-year-old Aussie mum from any walk of life, any, you know, any place on earth, happens to be here, and then <laughs> that you watch them, they will look around, and they, I, they are so in touch with the attention of that moment. And that's why they just, they'll be cutting the pavlova, and they'll start freaking breaking down in tears. And, and, then, and then the eldest daughter will go, oh, mum, what's, you, stop it, mum. <laughs> and then she goes, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, it's just that you're all here, and, and, and we're all together, and, you know, like that shit, that, that is so beautiful, that moment, and that's a person's paying full fealty to the detail and the love in the moment, because she's earned it, you know what I mean? She's worked freaking so hard to get to that point, and it's the attention, it's, it's, it's really owning it and going like, oh, hang on, this is the stuff that matters, and they, they have the time, they, they are through the work phase, they're through the major parenting phase, and they have had the time to pay attention. And, and I think they're an incredibly wise group of people. Like, it's just a thing I've noticed over the years. And um, second part of that is the things I learned on that street where everyone of, who had... Like, I've been with my, you know, this woman, Fiona, like, we've been together, like, 22 years. And, and you know, I'm, I'm a big fan of these people who have been together for, like, 50 years, you know, and you just go, wow, like, the, the peaks and troughs to that must be the most sort of, um, uh, you know kind of war and peace type novel like it'd be just if you really sat and spoke to a couple some Newcastle couple here who's like you know 70 they could tell if you really listen that would be the most amazing epic you know like a Netflix series that goes for eight years <laughs> you know just covers everything and just you know and, and following the story of Australia at the same time as this marriage moves on but um but what I've learned is everyone anyone, I'd, I kept on asking them, like, you know, what is love to you? And, and that thing that you just said, Rosemary, is so true. They said, I realised the power of, of shutting the hell up and actually listening to my wife. And, um, you know, I'm so guilty of in the kitchen where, you know, and it's a writer's curse where, you know, my wife's telling me something really important and I'm like, oh, shit, that thing I've come up with for tomorrow's little bit of writing. And she sees the glaze and then she's like, stop, stop, you know, that really pisses me off, you know. And I'm like, I'm so sorry. And just, and just realising that, that love is absolutely, um, yeah, it's like, and, and she does it so well for me, you know. Like, it's like, 
oh, I saw that email come in. I know how you would be reacting to that. Like, far out, man. That's so thoughtful and so loving, you know? And it's like, it's just sort, yeah. I, I think the thing that came through is, is paying attention. I was doing it last night. Just, there was a couple, I don't know if anyone was here last night, but there was just people all through that place. And I'm seeing it tonight, you know, today. Like, just, just these little moments of, of, of people sharing little gestures of love and and it's an incredibly enriching i talk about it in boy swallows universe this idea that you can expand a moment by capturing all the details of it and i tell sometimes they get asked to sort of go talk to like seniors as they're graduating i haven't done it that many times but every time i do i say can you do me a favor just please before you leave this school please look at every single person and remember the story of you and that person don't just remember how they looked. Don't just remember what their dad did for a living or the car they drove. Remember the story. So, you know, we, we always, um, you know, we get lost in these moments and these daily things. And, 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 you know, you're up one day and you're the king of the world. Well, well this too shall pass. Um, you, you're low and you're dark as hell. Well, this too shall pass. You know, that notion of like this too shall pass, like everything passes. What never passes is the story of it. Like the story lasts forever and the story of you lasts forever. So I'm always telling them like, please capture the attention of the, you know, be attentive to the story and like remember that person as back in year eight when they helped you out with that bully by the water cooler. Don't, don't just look at them as Joe. Like that's Joe who saved your butt that day, you know. All of that stuff, it all comes down to details and, and expanding a moment in... Um, into as far as it needs to go because you've caught all the details. Like that's that's all just Boy Swallows Universe, Slim Halliday type stuff that I'd learned over the years. But you, you are really observant. I mean, that, you, it was on show last night if you were here when um, Trent did notice people and saw their behaviour. But um, I mean, to be a good journalist, you have to be observant. And, and uh, this is just one example. When you were last here, when was it? 2018? Yeah, 2018. For the festival. Yeah. We were having some drinks after, just all the writers, and you said to me, do you remember, you won't remember this, I don't know. I was are, likely are, drunk. So uh, <laughs> You said, are you, are you from Brisbane? And I said, no, 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 I'm not from Brisbane. And he said, oh, I don't know, there's just something something about your voice. And I thought, yeah, God, I hate my voice. Yeah, sure, there is. Um, he said, no, no, you know what? And I, and I said, oh, well, yeah, I'm a bit Westy. Like, I'm a <laughs> yeah. bit, we yeah, like, right, I, I've right. got a sort of intonation in my voice. And I said, we, you know, I did live in a housing commission for a couple of years, yeah, you know, yeah. mum, single mum. And, and you went, that's it, that's it. It's the housing commission. It's the, <laughs> the housing it's the, commission it's voice. It's the housing commission in your voice. <laughs> And I just thought that, A, it was hilarious that you recognised something, but, B, but yeah, I mean, of all the things to recognise, probably not the, the thing I would have focused on, but... Oh, no. But no, no, I thought it was incredibly observant that you could... You, you were kind of thinking, it's Brisbane, it's sort of something, and then when I said it, you went, that's it, that's it. And then you gave me a big hug and said, yeah, we're, you know, kind of Housos United, you know. <laughs> you didn't say that, <laughs> You didn't uh, say that, but... Is that when you went, I'm just going to go talk to Tim Witten over here? Yeah, yeah, no, that, that's what I said. God, who is this bloke? Let's not get him back again. <laughs> no, um... That no, is... but, that, that, but that, that, is, that is paying attention. And it is all of that. It's everything. And I, I remember an editor once said to me, because I was a, I'm a feature, was a feature writer like you. Yeah, yeah. Editor said to me, you know, when he gave me this job in Sydney, 
Now, I know you're good at detail, but if I tell you what, when you go and interview that bloke, uh, I want, okay, I know you're going to say what colour shirt he's got, what he's eating. I want to know how he got the stain on his shirt. Oh. Uh, how he, and I know, and I, that's always stayed with me. Oh, yeah. So not just noticing the stain on his shirt, how did he get the stain? And it's that questioning and, and curiosity, and that exudes in this book from you about sitting there and talking to complete strangers. And I wonder if you had any expectations. And don't say, I don't want you to you know, conceal it. Did you think, right, I want these cracking, heartbreaking stories? What, what did you hope? Um, you're amazing at this, by the way. Like... Oh yeah, that's, that's making up for the Howzo comment. No, and I know you've come in, filled it, like, man, you've done well. And you had, like, Simon Winchester before, and, yeah, thank you. Anyway, this thank isn't you. about me. Um, <laughs> Classic deflection. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but what you're saying there about what I'm doing with that Howzo stuff, firstly, and then this leads into, um, that's, me, like, I get so, like, I, I actually get, despite my, when I come on stage, I'm all like, hey, hey, and, uh, like, I'm actually, believe I'm quite introverted. Like, I'm actually, like, and I, I go to those parts, like, where I would have seen you. My, I probably latched onto you. I, shit, 2018, I was a freaking babe in the woods. I st I'm only barely above a babe in the woods now. But back then, I remember being nervous as hell. And, and or, like, even just going in this morning, I get, like, those green rooms. And, you know, I'm like, oh, God, what's this going to be, you know? And, but, no, it's just, like, that's just me. And... What I need to do to make myself comfortable, weirdly, is go deep. It's weird. It's like, it's like I can't talk small talk. I can't, honestly, I just get all like, oh man, I'm so bad at this. Like, I cannot talk Danish furniture. I just cannot do it. <laughs> cannot do it. And so I would have probably have said that, like to just go, oh, brilliant. I'm, I'm, I'm safe here, you know? You know, and the minute you said, oh, I'm out, you know, and I've done heaps of stories out at like Western Sydney and it's like, you know, it's like, oh, cool, all right, I know, I know exactly, I know a lot about this, you know, and so um, uh, on that corner, there could not be a more comfortable space to be in. Um, you're looking for icebreakers. All you're doing is looking for ways in, and there could not be a better way in than going, could you please tell me about a moment of love or about someone you've lost, about someone you miss, and you're immediately past real estate, Danish furniture, Ikea, you know. Property prices. Property prices, you're just so deep. And, and you will know someone, like, mate, I tell you, Rosemary, like, we got to know each other, like, 30 minutes in, a complete stranger, and by the end, I mean, I'm talking, there might be 10 of those people in that book that I talk to on a regular basis I was now. going to ask you that, if you oh, maintain contact. And who we who met, in particular? Completely. Oh, Helen Clark, who was the first... Tony, um, Tony, who's who's in the wheelchair, he sings the Frank Sinatra songs. A lot, a lot of them. We all did this big event at Brisbane City Hall, where I sort of brought them up on stage, and we were, we were kind of, it was kind of an epic thing. It was like a thousand people, and we were, had these. They were telling their stories live on stage. It was really, really a beautiful, beautiful thing. But, but all I was trying to hope for was, if you just get someone started. This is the cool thing about starting at love, because. They will come up and go, oh, I, I don't have any love. I, I don't have a love story. And I'd say, well, tell me about your wife. And then some guy would go, oh, well, we have been married for 60 years. <laughs> and we did go see the Beatles together. And, um, and then there was that time, yeah, her brother died. And, um, you know, it just, and it just goes deeper and deeper and deeper. And suddenly you realise, and that person realises, like, 
that's not a bad story, is it? And that, that's what I was hoping for, Rosemary. Like, it was just, just hoping to just stick around for long enough with open ears and just until you get a story arc. And it didn't have to be... It could be, it could be this. Um, uh, Graham walks past. Um, Graham's been blind since he was about, you know, very young boy. Um, and uh, his, his wife, Diane, is, is partially blind. Um, and... And he says, I've got a love story. Um, I need to tell you about how much I love this woman and, and all the things she's done for me. And I say this dorky question to Graham. I said, Graham, I'm sorry if this is insensitive to ask this, but what would you do if you had five minutes of clear sight? Have you ever thought about that? Like, how would you spend that time? Would you spend that time looking at the sky? Would you go to the ocean and look at the Pacific Ocean for five minutes? Would you look at the stars? And he's like, no, nah, no. Nah. And that's not insensitive. I've thought about that for all my life. And um, you know what I'd do, he says? I'd spend five minutes just staring at my wife's face because I've never seen it. And, um, and it was the most freaking beautiful statement and then I go even, um, perhaps even more, but it was just of the moment, you know, in the moment, I go, and I'm like getting a little bit sort of teary at that point, and I'm going, Graham, can I just tell you she's beautiful? Like, she's beautiful, Diane, and I just said, she's beautiful. And he goes, mate, I know that. I didn't have to see her face to know that. It's just like, man, you know, I was like, so that, that's a perfect story. Like, that, you don't need any further than that, because that says everything you're gonna need to know about Graham, and it says everything you need to know about Diane. And that's the power of storytelling. You can, you can tell someone's entire life story in 200 words because it's all just heart and character. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Newcastle, the best. Second greatest city in the world. Oh, it's the world now. I thought it was Australia. Yeah. God, I'm going to use that oh, one man. then. Oh, that's, no. that's amazing. No. No. Were there any stories that you didn't use? Were there, you know, but, and yeah. what, were, what, was, what were the decisions around that? I mean, yeah, I mean obviously some stories just may not have sort of held up as stories, as a good story. And yeah. think instinctively as a journalist, you know what a no, good story is. No, for sure, for sure. Just, so, yeah, oh, what, how there, did you make that were, decision? So when I say there were 200, it was easily, I, I, I had, so what I was doing was typing, I did these sort of, Typewriters, anyone here who used them back in the day, they're very hard to write on. Like, they're yeah. very... <laughs> they're, they're very... Um... <laughs> hey, Denise. Great to see you. Newcastle, Newcastle legend. Um, the, um, the, they're very... You've got to really sort of hit hard. Central Coast, actually, but anyway. Oh, Central we're Coast being, legend. We're being picky now. <laughs> okay. So, um, they're really hard to sort of really drill down, and, and I found it really hard to, and you've got to, you know, there's no backspace, and there's like, uh, yeah, I found it, so what I would do, I'd, I'd really just type notes and things I'd see and details and stuff I'd put down on the typewriter, but I had this voice recorder there taking about, and it, my, my recordings were easily beyond 200, and then in the end, there was probably 100 stories that made it really sort of properly into the book, and, and then maybe an extra sort of 20 or so that I've filtered all through there, but it was amazing how many would sort of, how much our love stories are similar as, as humans. And I'll tell you some things that kept recurring, and it was really interesting. Um, a lot of widowed women stopped, and, and, I, and it was an incredibly powerful thing where they'd say, I would really appreciate the chance to sit down with you on this corner, if it has to be this corner on Adelaide and Albert. Um, I want to tell you about my late husband, because this, was, this happened like about three times. They would say, my 
my children don't want to hear me talking about him anymore because it either is too hard for them or, or they know it's too hard for me and so we've stopped talking about him. And it was one of the things Kath had said to me when my old man died, like sort of 2015. If you've read Boy Swallow's Universe, the guy smokes a lot and it's, that's the legacy of that. He, he died of that. But, but um, Kath sent me this thing on the, like, the night of and she's like, Trent, he's not dead when you speak of him. You know, he, he doesn't die when you say his name. And it was a real theme in the book where it's like, man, please, like, I'm not going anywhere. In fact, I look like really stupid when I'm sitting here all alone on this corner with my dumb sign. So please stay as long as you want. And we'd just talk about them. But these beautiful stories of grief, um, so powerful. And I'd like to keep them maybe for other... There was, you know, there was probably three or four that I couldn't put in there just because they were really mirrored other stories. So um, a lot of the times I was just trying not to double up thematically. So... I've got a couple of stories about um, fate, people sort of amazed by the power of fate, you know, and how fate brings people together and how oh, sliding doors stories. Sliding door stories are just terrifying. And I, like, I think about it all the time with my, my wife, you know, like yeah, the fact I met my wife is just miraculous. Like, I, like it's miraculous. Like, and, I, and it terrifies me when I think, what if I what if I took that drug or what if I drank that a little bit more or what if I took that job over there? And it terrifies me and it goes even deeper when you see these, you know, you have kids and you go, man, like imagine my life without those two as well. And, and so all of that, and that, that really was a recurring theme as well. But you can't, you can't build the whole book around sliding door stories. So um, um, what I was really looking for was a really good um, look at love from all walks of life, you know, um, you know, just, you know, just, yeah, just all sorts of stories. Love gone wrong, love gone right, love from all different genders, love from every place known to all of us, you know, and, and then really realising that at, at its heart is that shared thing that it really is the thing that counts. It really is the thing that matters, you know, and, and that's where we all would get at the end of our stories. And I think everyone kind of, every story ended up ending with that, that kind of notion where people would walk off down the street and go, hey, thanks for the reminder. And it'll be like, yeah, it was, it was such a great community-based thing to learn together. Yeah. Well, I mean, literature's full of love stories. Film, I mean, it's, we're surrounded by them. It's a kind of perennial theme, for, you know, for literature and film. Why, do we st why are we still drawn to them, do you reckon? Mm, mm. Like, it's not... There couldn't be a love story. I mean, I suppose, no, there were, because they're in your book. But, you know, there's the, the obvious cliché... You know, boy, you know, man doesn't pay. To, I don't know. Like it goes on and on. We all know them well, but we still want to see them, and we still want to be involved in them. We still want to read about them. <laughs> like, why? Why do you reckon that is? Uh, it's it's a phenomenon we're still trying to work out. You know, it, what what does drive you to love that person in your life for fifty years? You know, it's a puzzle. We do me a favor, like like, just go home and stare at yourself in a mirror for like longer than a minute, and you're just trying to work yourself out and going like, what the fuck is going on? And love is at the massive peak of that, you know, the puzzles we're trying to work out, you know, and, and it causes us so much pain. Like, I'll tell you, Matt, like, Rosemary, I won't, I don't, the, the biggest troubles in my life right now are based around love. Like, people that I love so much and that I perhaps need to work at a relationship better, you know, or in my own ambition or in my own bloody wild journey, I've kind of forgotten to kind of remember that that person is like one of my five, 
you know, and I need to really work a bit better at that, you know? And it's like when I'm staring in the mirror, it's like, who the, who the hell are you, man? Like, what, what do you want on this planet? You know, and it's like, it will always come back to, uh, I just want to talk to that guy again. Like, mm. you know, and it's like, that's really powerful. And, you know, and, and, you know if, it, if you need to go watch a Julia Roberts movie to find out about how to work that out, then go, go for it, you know? Or if you need to read a Hannah Kent book, go for it, you know? And I think all these people are offering us examples of how they have tried to work it out in their heads and whether they're working it out through fiction, it doesn't matter. It's just that universal puzzle is the greatest gift we have. I think, I think, I think, I sometimes say storytelling is the greatest invention we all came up with. Like, that's an invention that, you know, Jack and Jill went up the hill, you know, we're the only, you know, creatures on the planet who can tell you what happens next. But love was here already, you know, and I, I find that so beautiful. You know, I find that a, such a powerful notion. Love was just, love was just there. Like, it was just, we were born and we loved. Like, I, I find that phenomenal, and I think that's why so much literature has been <laughs> written about it. It's just, what a, what a great gift, but what a, what a puzzle and what a curse it can be sometimes for us, you know? And, and so many people, Rosemary, wrote in to me and going, Trent, thank you for reminding me that love isn't just hell, you know? Like, because so many people are hurt by it, you know? So many people, and um, so many readers who are trying to work things out with their kids, you know, and the kid, you know, that notion of being a parent and having a kid who you're just really struggling to love, you know, because you, the, with that love comes hurt and, you know, and I'm like, yeah, man, I think I probably wrote the book for that, you know, that notion that, you know, so it's like we're all in it together and, and you know, so I don't think it's, you know, I said it last night, it's just people go, oh, you're such a sentimental cheeseball, Trent, and it's like, well, yeah, maybe I am, but let me tell you, love is as serious as politics, it's more important than politics. It's as dark as as um, as a Cormac McCarthy book. Um, it's it's as important as anything we will do in life. So why not write about it? And it's the most illogical, risky thing we do, oh, isn't for it? Sure. Because if you rationalise it, I mean, I, I, I sometimes think of this when you do go to a funeral and it's yeah. someone you're an older. You know, some of my friends have lost parents in the last twelve months, and you look at the person left behind. And the grief, like it's so heartbreaking to think they've been together 50 years yeah. and how you make space in your life now without that person being there, like that, that hole. Yeah. And I mean, everyone, obviously, most people do move on and they do it miraculously and yeah. it's incredible. Yeah. But it's that sense that, you know, we all love and, and, and if we're lucky enough to find a partner, you're going to have to part at some point. Oh, man. And that it, but 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 it's we're so <laughs> yeah. able to. Um, I don't know whether it's. I don't know. I don't. I don't know whether we're, we are just a death-denying culture. Yeah. But we 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 don't think about it, do we? We don't think about that. I. I it's so strange. I know I'm no, going no, around no, in no. circles, but no. We've got this dog. Yep. Who like honestly is like a, I don't know. He's human. Yeah. When I when he looks oh, at wow. me, like yeah. I don't think anyone loves me as much as our dog. Oh, like it's yeah. extraordinary. Yeah. He's obsessed, but not right. in a you know. He's just he just loves me. Like I get up yes. in the morning and I'm always up really early and and he's just he's gorgeous and I look at him and oh, I, there's a connection there. He comes up and he puts his paws beside my desk and he's nuzzling me like pat me pat me. Anyway, I look at him and I've said to the kids out loud, I I. There'll be no more dogs after him. I cannot oh. even 
when I when he dies, I'm <laughs> I will be grief stricken and I cannot contemplate at all ever replacing him. And they're all just they're both looking at me going, "Are you mad? Why would you even think that?" But but because it's that twin, that twinning of deep <laughs> of deep caring a love oh. for some, and then the flip side of that, which you know is going to be loss. Oh, oh. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no. I mean, let's all just quietly think about that. Like, I mean. Honestly, but that's man, what your stories. This is love, right? There, there'd be partnerships and marriages here in this room, and we're all gonna go, you know. And it's like, I think it's beautiful. I think it's freaking beautiful. But that's to what think comes out that. in the stories in your book. I mean, it's oh. not. There, are, there's great grief and loss in oh. the stories in, oh. in the book. I want to do. I want to do a. Um, to, oh man, there's so many things I want to say about that. But one thing you just reminded me of. I, you know, I, I, before I was going to write love stories, I was going to write this thing called grave, grave stories, or like, <laughs> and it was like there's this amazing cemetery in Brisbane called Tawong, Tawong Cemetery, and I was literally, and it's sort of my journalism is a lot like this anyway. This sort of, like, I, I once did a story of this family. This is leading somewhere, I promise. I did a story in the Weekend Australian magazine where I documented just a family of five in Brisbane as if I was David Attenborough doc, doc, documenting gorillas or something. You I know? remember this. And so it'd be like, the, 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 the male of the house appears to get grumpy when his football gets turned over. Or something. And, uh, and it was so funny and I wanted to take it full tilt. And I remember I spent five days in this family's house. Like just, I said, don't pretend I'm not here. And I'd be just sitting in the corner taking notes. It was really funny. And then it came time to go into the bedroom. Like, at, like it was like 10.30 at night. And the guy's going, seriously, man, get the fuck out of here. Like, it's just like... <laughs> It was a really funny time, but but that has led to this sort of form of like just documenting life, and I really love the extraordinary and the ordinary and all that. And I wanted to do this thing where I just spend like two months in Tuong Cemetery, right? And I just I'm sitting there quite. I know it's a bit macabre, maybe, but there could be beautiful things in it. So someone, let let's say someone's like at a grave site, right? And they put the flowers down, and then Trent Dalton just comes to the like taps on their shoulder and like. And I'm like, sorry to bother you, but um, but I know, I promised I'd do it in a really delicate way, and I just like, <laughs> and just ask them like, can you please tell me about how much you love that person? Why are you here? What are you thinking about right now? And I just think that'd be really beautiful to because death is such a beautiful thing. And can I? T I'll tell you about what you're what you're talking about. I, I I five years ago, someone sent me a um a funeral notice from a newspaper. It was just a little local rag up in Queensland. And in the email, like it was a screenshot in the email, they just said, hey, Dalton, I think you'd do a good story about this. And I was like, why are they sending me? And in the funeral notice, let's say the, the couple surname was Howard. Uh, it said, T. Howard um, died 6th of the 6th, uh, 2018. And then F. Howard uh, died 7th of the 6th, 2018. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's interesting. And um, I just called up the surviving family members and then interviewed the eldest son. He said, yeah, it's the darndest thing. Um, the doctor genuinely called it broken heart disease. Uh, my mum my just couldn't... She died of a, literally died of a broken heart when my dad died. And I was so moved by that story and we all got together with the family and they had such a great time talking about the love between those two. You know, they'd been together like one of those 60-year marriages, you know, and I just think that's so freaking romantic, you know, like we think of rom romance as DiCaprio and, you know, whatever and on a boat or whatever, but it's like, man, romance is in the suburbs behind a friggin' fence and it's romance is a guy cleaning out the fridge on a Saturday 
and it's, it's the wife who's coming up and just putting a gentle tap on his shoulder and just saying, hey, um, it's our anniversary and you're still my best friend. Um, you know, it's just, it's just I, I think that's true love and because those two people know they've come through a long bit of life together and they know it's going to end. I think knowing it's going to end is, is the romantic side of it, you know, and I... Yeah, and that's what that book really taught me. And so many people on that corner, I remember this guy just coming up and he's just going, mate, are you hugging your kids like for longer than three seconds? Like just how long are you hugging your kids for? And I'm like, oh, yeah, I'll probably do the awkward one. And they kind of slightly squirm out of me. And he goes, bullshit, bullshit. You got to hug them 30 seconds at least. I'm like, man, I'm, they're not going to stay in a hug for 30 seconds. But... I just would go home. Oh, so many moments, so many moments I learned. So there was that, and then another guy said, have you ever asked your wife how you can be a better husband? I was like, and he, he's literally telling me this on the street. He goes, have you ever just gone, turned to her in bed and just gone, hey, hey, honey, um, is there any ways in which I could be a better husband? <laughs> and, and it's like, it was profound. And I've been with Fee for like 22 years. And I've never asked her a question so selfless, you know, like, how do I fix myself for you, to, so, so I'm better to be around for you. And there's just so many great lessons because time has taught these people all those lessons. They've learned it the hard way, you know, which is why it was so great because a lot of people who were stopping had been through some stuff and, you know, that's the best part about listening and storytelling. Why do you write? Oh, um, yeah, well, I, 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 I'm convinced... Um, like, I really think about that more and more, and I really am convinced... Well, honestly, man, like, Rosemary, like, when I was, let's say, 18, I think I was really down. I was really down as an 18. Like, I was a really intense young man, and I think I was always thinking, like, why... Why the hell did I get this? Like, wh why was I... Why did... Why was I dropped here you know and and you know okay i need to couch this with you know there's a war in ukraine right now and you know it could be a lot freaking worse but i just would always think about like where's this heading like what 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 is all this madness like this stuff and it was just a lot of lot of drama and and then i reckon i hit probably well then oh man 2000 and yeah well 2006 and then like 2007 just had a kid and then going about 2015 thinking I get it now I know why I'm here and and I know why it all happened that way and um and I had nothing I'm not good at a single thing I can't I'm, I struggle to put up a tent I I um you know I, I oh man like changing a, a a car tire on a freaking car like everything mechanical is just a like I have a nervous breakdown about it, but um, but one thing I can do is is express some things that I'm thinking, you know, and and uh, and I just really really believe that I'd be, you know, without that one gift, that was the one thing I had, you know, and um, and it was man, without it, Rosemary, I'd be dead set. I think I'd be just drinking straight Jim Beam bourbon and eating Red Rooster chips like every every day, because it just that side of things is in me, you know what I mean? And, and um, what better way to exercise anything that you've experienced than in such a powerful way, which is, you know, tapping on a keyboard, you know? It's such a really positive way of processing things. And I think that's, 
that's what I'm trying to do. Um, and it's so much more healthy, you know, for everyone in my house when I'm doing that. And, uh, you know, but I've, I've really thought deeply, like, to the point where, you know, I thought everything was messed up when I was a kid, like, going, is someone doing all this on purpose? Like, is some, like someone dropping this stuff down on us, on even, like, our family? Like, it's like, what, why is this stuff happening th this way? And then, you know, it's really powerful for me to look back and go oh wow it's like you know and I say it all the time like my you know I say to my mum all the time it's like hey um you know you you weren't able to give me anything like you were really not like it was really you know just just hard like just hard to give us boys anything like leave us with anything or help us on our way in many ways but I say to mum I was like man you you gave me the greatest gift another human being could ever give another person, and it's your story. It's a story. You gave me a story. Like, you know, it was. It's a phenomenal story. I look back on my zero to twenty years, and and you know, so it's like I felt like I, I'm not even honouring that story. It just that's that story is nothing if I don't write it. You know what I mean? So it's sort of like, why do I write? Well, yeah, I've got to I've got to make those moments make sense. And, and I kind of, to that end, don't even get me started on how deep that goes because I actually reverse engineered some stuff to go, oh, well, it all was leading to this. Like, it was all leading to the suburbs in Brisbane and a cul-de-sac and, and my wife and kids. Whereas, you know, it was just life that was, you know, chaotically moving that way. But, you know, I decided through my writing to say, oh, no, that, that all had to be that way, you know. And so it's sort of, why, why do I write? Because I'm trying to make sense of it, Yeah. We, we don't have much more time, um, but I, I just want to ask you about success, because you know, given where, given where you've come from and, um, and, and that story you talk about so passionately, how do you then deal with the extraordinary success you've had? Well, what's, what impact has that had on you? <laughs> yeah, um, it, oh, that's a great question. Um, it's, yeah, it's really always reminding myself I'll tell you a really interesting story, you know, where it really... <laughs> what? <laughs> Everyone's like, oh, another Dalton story? He's incorrigible. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Um, the, I, remember, I remember, like, this is going to sound like a wanker thing to say, but, like, I, this book, Boy Swallows Universe, it was having this week where it was just winning a bunch of awards, and it, was this, it coincided with my... I was turning 40, um, and, and, you know... I could be probably guilty of feeling on top of the world. And I remember it was the night I went, went to Sydney, got some awards, went back, um, and it was organising our 40th. My wife had done this incredible sort of rock and roll party where everyone came as like Cindy Lauper and Madonna and Eddie Vedder, and it was amazing. And uh, night before, though, um, our youngest daughter was sort of just, just a little bit off. You know, she was just a bit off, and just she was playing acting out a little bit and I called her, you know, into this corner of the house and, and I was like, hey, hey, um, you know, what's going on, you know, and, and she's like, and dead set, Rosemary, she said, um, she was like 10 at that point or maybe nine or something and, uh, and she's like, I don't know, Dad, it, it's just as, it just feels like we're not as close as we once were. And I was just like, man, I was like, so that's sort of, that's the truth of it, like it's, it's, um, you gotta, you gotta really work on remembering what you're here for, and uh, and you know, I swear, going out on that corner was the best thing I could have done. Like I was out on that corner, and 
you know, it's just so humbling. It's just so humbling. Like, you, you can think you're all sorts of things, and then some guy walks past and goes, love story? I've got a love story. What about I bury your fucking head in concrete? <laughs> and you're just like, cool. You're like, thanks, man. I really needed that. Honestly, it's like, I needed that. <laughs> you know, and it's like, it's just that idea of just, man, you know, and, re and remember... Remember, like I swear I wrote that book as much for everyone else through COVID and all that, but it was absolutely for me, like absolutely. And it's, and it's been the greatest gift for me to be reminded of, kid, don't get yourself caught up in all that bullshit. That's just anything, any, you know, that's just, you know, this too shall pass, you know. And, and uh, so, but won't, what won't pass is Sylvie, Beth, Fiona, um, you know, and, and, and that's been the really great gift of, of knowing that. And, um, and then, yeah, and then the rest, though, Rosemary, it's, it's freaking, mate, it's like it, there's, there's stuff that has happened in my life that I thought as a, I need to remember to talk to 12-year-old Trent and honour that boy, you know, and, and honour, um, like, that 12-year-old Trent, like, I, I'm really proud of him. Like, he's 42-year-old Trent's really mixed up and kind of strange, but... 12-year-old Trent was such a good kid. Like, he was... I really think you guys would have liked him. Like, he's... No, like, I look back, and he was just pure and just untainted and just... And, and I just need to talk to him a lot more and just go, hey, man, hold on. You won't believe what's about to happen. Um, you're going to get to Newcastle. Second best city <laughs> Second in, greatest the city in the world. <laughs> what next? Oh, writing my third fiction book. Um, uh, they're turning Boy Swallows Universe into a freaking eight-part se television Netflix. series. Thank you. <laughs> That's unbelievable. Um, yeah, thank you. It's going to be amazing. And, you know, just these wacky phone calls come out of the blue and it's like, they're like, oh, you've got to go have a meeting with Joel Edgerton down in Sydney but make sure you play it with a poker face because you don't want to let him know how much we want him to do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And Joel Edgerton is like the most charismatic man you've ever had coffee with. And at the end, he, he dazzles me so much just by asking if I need a lift to the airport. And I go, hey, Joel, the book's yours. <laughs> so that's been interesting, that Hollywood negotiations and stuff. And, uh, yeah, no, and, like, Fee and I just in the kitchen back at Brisbane and just, like, jumping up and down is like, you wouldn't believe who they're thinking about to play Frankie or something, and we'll just, like, be high-fiving. And <laughs> it's just magic, Rosemary. It's like there's some really good things. And, um, yeah, they're, they're doing a play of love stories. It looks like we're going to sort of transfer love stories into this epic play that, that will actually talk a bit more about what was going on like at home and stuff, for me, that would prompt a writer to go out on a corner like that, you know? So a sort of bit more... You know, I, I talk about it a bit in the book, but a narrative thread more about what we're talking about. Like, what, why, would, why am I out there on that corner? What, I'm, what am I trying to learn that I would hopefully take home and sort of bring to the, the important stuff? And, uh, yeah, no, there's just a lot of, lot, of, lot of cool things, yeah. Thank you. Oh, man, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Oh... Uh, you're so beautiful. Um, yeah, thank you so much. Oh, do you wanna do you wanna do the all you need is love? Does anyone feel like singing? Let me know if you feel like singing. But <laughs> yeah, you seriously, this is this is really go, risky. Go, do it. So every time when I get a, like a room like this, if you're up for it, 
It can be really beautiful if we nail it, okay? <laughs> Who wants to do it? it? Like, seriously? All right, okay. Let's no, that's an, oh, Let's look, okay. So we have this thing up in Brisbane called Pub Choirs. A beautiful, beautiful friend of mine, Astrid Jorgensen, invented it. Um, and it brings so much love to any room just like this. Um, so uh, this is the easiest pub choir and the briefest pub choir on the planet. So all you have to do is remember a little Liverpudlian four-piece band um, from the 1960s. Um, uh, John, Paul, George, Ringo. Um, turns out they were right about everything. Um, John Lennon in particular had this beautiful line, and that line was, all you need is love. Now, I'm going to give you a cue, and the cue is, it's easy. Does that ring a bell? Ring a bell? And then this side of the room, all they have to sing is that famous line, all you need is love. And this side of the room is the incredible brass band. So you guys just have to go da 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 at the top of your voices, okay? And then a little bit like halfway through, I'll say all together now and we'll raise this frickin' roof, okay? So I want to do this as a thank you to Rosemary. This is my thank you to Rosemary. So, <laughs> you're amazing. Thank you so much for your heart and soul that made those questions. But okay, before you do this though, can we just like do me a favor? And think about anyone you've lost, um, anyone you miss, every person you love, every kid you love, every person in the grave, every person in the photo albums at home, every person you weren't able to get to um, through COVID. Um, please think about the people over in Ukraine. Think about whatever the freaking hell you need to think about when you shout these lines to the roof. All right, here we go. It's easy. Love. love, love is all you need. Woo! That was it. Thank you. You're amazing, Newcastle. That was really, really great. Thank you. I should, I should mention that Trent will be downstairs signing books. Please, come so say hello. Yeah, you can thanks. say hello. Thanks, You're the everyone. best. Thank you so much, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed listening to this session, which was recorded at the 2022 Festival. Save the date for our 10th event, coming up from March 31 to April 2, 2023. Stories to you.